the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark Presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the TV Obscura team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, are my two brothers from other mothers. <laughs> Try saying that five times fast. Zach the Total Snackage Schaefer and Diallo the Armageddon Jackson. Boys, this is an episode that I couldn't be any more excited to uh, discuss with you guys. Uh, this one is pretty much been since the beginning of TV Obscura, these three shows uh, we've talked about. But... Before we get into all of that craziness, uh, Diallo, what's going on, buddy? How's it going these days? I'm doing good. What's up with you guys? Hanging what's in up? there. Enjoying some <laughs> 80s nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Been going through it this uh, this week, watching some of these. It's been great. Really oh, great. God, buddy. Oh, God. You have no idea how much how much I love this episode already. But uh, Zach, my man, we just uh, obviously we just talked a few days ago with uh, Sorority Babes. Well, actually, it was about a week ago, but I edited it a few days ago. Um, but uh, how's it going, my man? How was your weekend? Oh, it was great. And I'm ready to walk into or dive into some childhood trauma cartoons. We should <laughs> title this episode... Three of the most traumatic children's cartoons of all time from the 80s. I think it's safe to say, right? Yeah, I agree with that, buddy. I do agree with that. Uh, before we start chipping away at these, uh, let's just announce what we're doing here. Uh, you, Zach, are handling Inhumanoids, 1986. Then Diallo's going to be talking about Centurions, also from 1986. And I'll be bringing us home with Spiral Zone from 1987. And yes, uh, Zach, I would say that all three of these shows probably traumatized me in some way, shape, or form, including Centurions, because I thought the two villains were absolutely grotesque uh, when I was a kid, and I did not want uh, to ever like end up like them and everything. So I was like, this is horrible. So yeah, I think that statement stands, my friend. Yeah, I think these are pretty good ones to choose to do right now, because the world is, uh, well, if you look at it half empty... The world is falling apart. If you look at it half full, the world is falling apart. So um, I think it's safe to assume that, you know, in some way, shape or form, we are going to see the reality of one of these shows in the future. Yeah, I hope it's in humanoids. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> so as I uh, as I have alluded to multiple times, uh, this this show is big for us because all three of these cartoons have been on the, the to-do list for TV Obscura since the very beginning. We knew we were going to cover every single one of these. Uh, I don't know if we thought we were going to group them together or whatnot, 
But I, I know I have been chomping at the bit to discuss each and every, every one of the titles that we're, we're going to do tonight. Um, so before we jump in, uh, I, I just want to ask uh, Zach, you, did Bodhi watch all three of them? He did. And okay. so I'll, I'll give a Bodhi scale. I'm going to do two scales, and I, would hope, I hope you guys join me in the second one. I'm going to do two scales. One will be the Bodhi scale. Um, which one, how, whether he liked it or not on a scale of one to five and also traumaed, uh, (laughs) second one being, we're going to, I'm going to rank all three of these in order of best or worst to best toy line. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So which one had the best toy line, which one first, second, and third. Perfect, dude. That's perfect. We'll do the toy line rating uh, one to five as well uh, after each episode or after each show that we we discuss. Uh, Diallo, did you watch these uh, over at Zach's place with Bodie? Did you watch Centurions at least? No, I didn't get a chance to go over there and watch them, but uh, over there, but I did watch them here. So we are going <laughs> to dive in. <laughs> Dude, real quick, I was talking to Zach offline before uh, you jumped on, Diallo. That uh, Centurion's Daily Motion link, and yeah. by the way, guys and gals, we, I post everything, uh, all the links on on Patreon, our Patreon page for free, and that's patreon.com slash dark. so you guys can go over there and actually watch each video, each uh, show. I, I make those posts completely for free, so you can go over there. But Diallo, that thing looked amazing. Yeah. It looked like it was just re like remade like it was uh totally cleaned up. Yeah, they had a had a ton of episodes on uh Daily Motion also. Um none on YouTube that I could find which was kind of interesting, but Daily Motion had had all the goods. So Daily Motion seems to be uh, our saving grace sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope it doesn't get shut down yeah. because there used to be there used to be a website called iOffer. I don't know if it's still around anymore, but they used to sh- they used to sell bootlegs of all mm. these um, cartoons that you couldn't find anywhere else, like high quality too, with menus and all that stuff. And uh, that's where I got Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Kid Video and um, Recess, the an- animated series. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, two out of these three are not available on DVD. Uh, Centurions is, but it's, it's, it's pricey for, for the combined two sets. It's like close to $60. So, uh, you know, is it worth it? Yes, but still it's expensive. And, and Zach and I also were talking, Dial, before you jumped on, like why we don't see any of these cartoons anymore coming out on, on DVDs is just, is there no market for it other than the collectors? Do you think? Yeah, I think that they're, I mean, literally they are obscure, which (laughs) But I mean, it seems weird, right? Because like these at the time, they seemed like they were really big phenomenons in their in their own way. So the fact that they just completely fell off um, is odd. But, you know, I was actually kind of thinking about another cartoon that just seemed like it was everything um, early 90s. It was um, Gargoyles. And and that's another cartoon that just once it was gone, it was just. I mean, it almost erased from, like, memory. Like, I'm just so surprised that a show like that hasn't been done as a live-action movie or whatever. Just no reboots. So I guess certain things just fall away and disappear. And just live in the time period that they existed, you know? Yeah. 
the new toy line for gargoyles is pretty dope though so hopefully oh, yeah. it, hopefully it's getting a new resurgence um, I, I think so on disney plus i think i've heard yeah. a lot of people have been watching it on disney plus and it's yeah. uh it's high on our to watch list i actually think i'm going to show it to my nephew uh gray bear one of these days because I, I love that show and because i loved goliath i mm-hmm. love uh you know sam keith's voice nope yeah Keith have, David's voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which David? Sam Keith is the artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have um, I got a uh, the uh, gargoyle. Uh, What's this? Goliath from uh, Fern. Fern yep. uh, got it for me. It's it's an amazing. Nice. It's an amazing figure, and um, but yeah, it just it's a show that is incredibly rich, and it just even though people are watching it, I you don't hear like of any studios. I don't hear any rumors. And it's just that's so odd. It's just so odd. And um, and th- I feel like it's the same with some of these shows. And to your point, if they're if they're not going to put out gargoyles on DVD or Blu-ray, like something that at least Disney's kind of like backing and making toys of, yeah. ain't, ain't nobody going to be putting Inhumanoids <laughs> out on Blu-ray or or Spiral Zone or something, you know? I yeah. know it's such a shame, such a shame. Yeah, yeah, it really is. God damn it! But hey, I mean, this is kind of a spoiler alert. But yeah, all, all three shows are. are fun as hell and uh i can't wait to dive into each and every one of them uh zach you want to take us to the center of the earth with inhumanoids 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 the evil life within that's terrible by the way (laughs) i don't know i I was inspired actually oh thanks i appreciate it yeah uh yeah okay so inhumanoids was a 1986 cartoon that ran for 13 episodes um it was a part of a sunday block with uh, a couple other shows those shows being bigfoot and the micro machines he's big bad and he's mean (laughs) (laughs) um also robotics oh oh yeah yeah right and then gem uh they were part of like a four package deal that was made to kind of you know help market each each show out uh gem was the only one that really took off out of those four and obviously ran for like 65 episodes or something like that um metro uh metroid robotics never made it past the uh kind of pilot episode that they released as a movie by the way i love the robotics toys and i absolutely hate the redesigned robotics toys that are like coming out this year Oh, you're thinking of like RoboForce. Oh, yep. There you go. My bad. RoboForce. Robotics. Was that like almost like a constructs type of set? And it there was, was um there was like a, a, a T-Rex type of creature or dragon that, that you could build or something. Yeah. So the robotics were like uh, set in space. I always used the space figures when I recreated aliens. Okay. Because uh, they look like the as close as you were going to get to uh, the LV-426 like, you know space people or whatever uh yeah they were like a, a cross between legos and and um and uh not tinker toys but um oh god erector, erector sets. sets yeah yeah thank you. okay yeah. Yeah, I, you know what kind of, i i had the uh the comic book for this or one of the issues i think there was a marvel comic yep. right or, yep. yeah yeah and uh they were battery powered and you put them together and like the head would move or the body would turn or some shit like that they were cool they were really cool and they were fairly inexpensive in in comparison to other things that came out at that time but um yeah so bigfoot and uh robotics didn't last very long gem obviously took off and became a sensation but um in humanoids 
lasted for 13 episodes. And Inhumanoids was, the basic premise of Inhumanoids was these creatures from the Earth were rising up to take over the planet, essentially. Uh, the leader was Metlar, who was like a lava creature. Um, he later got kind of replaced by apparently in like another character. I didn't see this episode, but like a snake type creature huh. uh, that's even more terrifying than Metlar, if you can imagine that. Um, his cohorts were uh, Tendril, who was like a plant-based monster. He looked very um, kaiju looking, yeah. you know, and, and uh, with these long tentacles. And then, of course... Hold, hold on. Uh, and, of course... The- decompose <laughs> decompose who was like this rotting corpse of a creature who would uh take his victim to put him inside his chest and turn them into zombies basically when he's first introduced when he's still inside encased in um uh amber uh he's found underground by archaeologists and he's brought to a museum uh he i i I dare anyone to disagree with me the the shadow form of him like the 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 reflection of him in the amber looks like the thing the the final creature from the thing John oh, yeah. Carpenter's the thing it looks mm-hmm. exactly like that so I'm I'm sure that was influenced by it um these creatures are trying to take over the earth and they're battling the earth core which are a group of scientists with these like over-the-top mech suits that all have their different attributes. Uh, the, the characters' names are Augur, Liquidator, and uh, Inseminator. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Good one, buddy. Copulator. Dr. <laughs> Copulator. Uh, now, Herc Armstrong, who has, like, a green suit. And then um, Dr. Bright, Dr. Derek Bright, who has like a blue suit. Very colorful. They each kind of had the elements of the the Earth, basically. Uh, They're aided by these uh, Magna Rock or Magna Core Rock uh, creatures and the Redland Tree People. And the Tree People, uh, you know, obviously live above ground. The Magna Rock people or the Magna Core people kind of guard Metlar until he gets um, broken out of his. Uh, he's like the last one out of the three that gets basically brought back to life, brought back to life by with the help of a human as well. Um, yeah, uh, Blackthorn, who uh, is, you know, he's like the Donald Trump type character where he's like <laughs> this millionaire megalomaniac. Um and his sister, uh, who Sandra Shore, she kind of uh, turns on him and becomes a good guy and aids the Inhumanoids. I'll get to her in a second. But before I get into any more details about the show, I really quickly want to run through this cast. So I mentioned all the characters' names, but here are some of the actors who play some of these characters. Michael Bell, you might recognize, well... Diallo will recognize from Three's Company, as he always does. As I always do. (laughs) (laughs) But, of course, and Diallo won't disagree with me on this. He is Duke from G.I. Joe. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, William Calloway uh, was Beachhead on G.I. Joe. Great character on that. Uh, Dick Gaultier Gaultier played Serpentor on G.I. Joe. Uh, Ed Gilbert played uh, Thrust and Blitzwing in the in Transformers. 
Christopher Collins, another character on the, uh, another actor on the show. He was Starscream and Cobra Commander from from GI Joe and Transformers. And you Neil can totally Roth. tell it. You can totally tell it's him doing Decombose's voice. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, Shipwreck. The voice of Shipwreck. Neil Ross is on this show, uh, and of course Richard Sanders. There's many others, but I'll point out Richard Sanders, who plays uh, Doctor Bright. He was Les Nessman on WKRP in Cincinnati. Ha. That's awesome. So that this this show features a lot of actors from um, Transformers and GI Joe. Obviously, it is a part of the Sunbow universe, Marvel and Sunbow. In the connection it has on the show, um, there was a reoccurring character on GI Joe, Gem, and Transformers, Hector Ramirez, who was like the Geraldo Rivera. Oh reporter. yeah, he's oh. on an episode of Inhumanoids. Yeah. Um, and and then another character. Uh, and I, I haven't, haven't seen this episode yet, but um, there's a, another uh, Earth Corps uh, hero that joins the, the, the team named Brad Armbruster. And, and Brad Armbruster is the name of Ace from G.I. Joe. I was about to say, yeah, that was, a, that was a, I recognize that name. That's cool. That, yeah. that was my, one of my favorite Joes. So th- this isn't the only cartoon to share a universe with uh, G.I. Joe. Cops, Cops and Robbers. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that down the road as well. That has a connection too. But I think it's pretty badass that they share the same universe. And, um, and I'm kind of just learning this as an adult. I, I didn't know that they shared, you know, had a shared universe or anything back then. Yeah, but now that I hear that, I think that's so cool. And that makes sense that like Jim would be a part of it and everything. Like it just, it all kind of fits together when you, when you think about it, you know? It totally does. It totally does. And and this this show had like very similar music to GI Joe as well in Transformers. Um, but this the original like five first five episodes was the miniseries, the pilot miniseries that was later kind of turned into a movie, a VHS movie. So I think you can find that as well, like the uncut version. Um, but man, it is dark. Yeah. It is a dark cartoon and it's very scary. Uh, Bodie and I watched this together. We went, we made it through the first four episodes. And then by the fifth one, when, uh, Sandra Shore gets turned into a mutated zombie by decompose, he's like, uh, I think we should turn this off now. And spoiler alert, she never gets turned back in the 13 wow. episodes. So she is for the most part, just dead, uh, which is a real bummer. Uh, but the show has like the similar tropes that GI Joe would have with the characters, you know, like they kind of give each other shit and, and, and joke around a lot in between the action, but man, it is fast paced, fun, totally terrifying and out of this world, in my opinion. Yeah, not, nothing else like it. Diallo, what what were your thoughts, buddy? All of these shows actually were in that spot where I think I was in high school when most of these came out. I was like maybe like a sophomore, junior. Um, so it was like a little bit too old to get to the toy aspect of it. Um, but um, and also it came on Sundays, which we always had to go to church. So I missed. Yeah. I always remember like kind of you know I was like I had to get Jim in. And then the other shows, like, we would leave, and so I didn't get to watch them. So Inhumanoids was one of those shows that kind of slipped through, like, through. But I actually, I distinctly remember the um, the commercials for the toys um, and the theme song. 
Um, but I never really got into it. I didn't know much about it. It were, they sort of like existed as uh, a group of figures visually that I would watch. So this was actually the first time that I can recall actually sitting down and watching Unhumanoids. And oh, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, I know I'd watched it, but I just could remember, you know, anything. But anyways, I actually, thought, I actually really dug it. I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, my, my brain was, it always kind of goes to like, oh, could you do this today? What elements of other things have already, that have been done in time since that this did first? Um, you know, the whole kaiju thing. Um, I was thinking of uh, Pacific Rim, you know. Totally. You know, totally. So, so like that. And I actually like the aspect of not having giant robots fighting the giant monsters, but like, you know, man-sized or human-sized uh, armored folks fighting the giant uh, giant monsters. So that was cool too. Oh, and uh, like I like the uh, the uh, shout out to uh, to San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they use real locations, which was really badass. Yeah. And Tendril is apparently based on Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Cool. It definitely got that when I was watching. I, I said to myself, Cthulhu. That's a. Uh, that's, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. I can see it now. Oh, cool. Yeah, I I kind of Diablo, I kind of fell in the same category as you with Sunday shows. Um, you know, we'd always either be doing something or obviously have to go to church and whatnot. So Sunday shows were always hard for me to catch. But I I did catch a couple episodes of this uh through, you know, when I was a kid. Uh the intro scared the crap out of me uh, totally. especially at the last shot of them falling into the like the the towards the molten lava with no clear way to escape you know i was like what the fuck you know and like just yeah it just it looked scary as hell and then just the fact that it, like it's this whole hollow earth thing which now is you know kind of played and we all get it but back then that's some interesting shit right there and it all takes place in earth and everything and then you know Couple it with the fact that, like you said, Diallo, like you got these giant monsters, but I, I'm with you. I like the fact that it's like dudes and normal, normal sized dudes in armor trying to fight these things. It kind of adds this extra layer of danger to it because you know you can't fight them one on one. You have to kind of figure out a way to do it and everything. Um, I had, I had the decomposed toy. Um, and I, and he was fucking huge. I remember he was a big beefy toy. Yeah. They're uh, over, over a foot tall. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, and then Luke had uh Moltar or whatever his name was. Met- Metlar. Metlar. There you go. Uh, I don't remember. Neither of us had, you know, the green guy, Cthulhu. Tendril. Tendril. But, uh, I only had the green, uh, guy, the green, whoever, whichever one he was. Um, I forgot his name because honestly, I fucking hated the armor design in this show. I thought they were so dumb looking and I watch it. Huh? That was Herc. Herc. Okay. I had Herc. Um, even now, even now I'm not a huge fan of the armor. I do like how colorful they are and I do like that. It's like, it's kind of different looking, but when I was a kid, I hated when you took off the helmets, their heads were so tiny inside of there (laughs) and and their arms and their legs looked like they were probably too long or whatever. But, um, you know, watching the show now, doesn't change my mind about the armor. I still don't love it, but it doesn't like take me out of it because I think the concept 
is fantastic. And I think the the art style of it, the design of it, is real strong with all these deep blacks and everything. It kind of it really gives it this this dark and brooding atmosphere and everything. And it's it's truly terrifying, I think, uh, to a kid or an adult. It's a pretty scary show, but that's awesome to have that as a kid's show. You never, I mean, when the hell, the last time you've seen a kid's show that is legitimately scary, you know? It's it's pretty amazing. And yeah, I I think it holds up well. I think what they're trying to talk, what they're saying, you know, it's it's all very eco-friendly and everything or it's, you know, talking about what they're doing to the earth and everything. Um but it also like gets into this whole like ancient history stuff. It's just man, it's it's ancient aliens. This is like guarantee you people who watch ancient aliens nowadays probably watched this back in the day. It's it's a lot of crossover. And yeah, I think it's a lot of fun and Definitely, definitely worth tracking down and, and watching the movie. It it's just it's super cool. Yeah, yeah. There's uh they they also uh d- had elements of like you know multiple frames in the picture. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. That, that was, was really kind of that cool. was cool. Yeah, it was just kind of different. And I agree with you. I thought their suits sucked. I thought at times they they seemed the least inspired as far as um, the characters on the show. It was like the the villains were actually more interesting than the heroes. Um, but and and I think that that might have hurt the the brand in a in a way because the the the, the big three. You're right. The big three toys were huge. Uh, the, 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 the rock guys, the, what are they called? The, um, well, there's, there's the MagnaCore lava rock monsters. And then there's like the MagnaCore rock monsters. And then there's the Redland, uh, Redwood trees who are really cool and creepy as well. And it's cool Uh, that they're creepy looking, but they're actually good guys. And I thought that was really neat too. Yeah. They're good guys. And the, the toys were really cool. I agree with you. The figures of the, of the heroes sucked. They sucked. They and were they, like and they some should, of the there's worst. no reason they should have sucked because they were big, they were like beefy plastic, like everything you'd want to play with, but they look so fucking weird looking. <laughs> they were yeah, they were just not they were not um thought out very well. And Hasbro made these, you know, it was a Hasbro toy line and and I and I love how people and we've done it too, people say, you know, this was the time when they were trying to sell toys to kids. But th- we still do it to this day, you know. I just watched a documentary about Captain Power, and I know we'll get to Captain Power down the road. And <laughs> Corey, uh, Corey's eyes, Corey's eyes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna watch that documentary. <laughs> and one of the one of the complaints that they showed a news clip from from these this parent council who was like, you know, this show blatantly makes people have to go out and buy toys, you know, buy the plane that interacts with the light. And it was like, yeah, sorry, pardon my French, but bitch, where the fuck you been past 30 years? Like we've been, that's what every cartoon does, you know, yeah. it sells to kids. So get off your high horse. And, and so of course she probably never even watched the show, uh, you know, and then like this talked about how a couple of years later, Power Rangers came out and, and, and that like, totally destroyed the the toy scene with power rangers like the tie-ins and shit like that so anyways um i i feel like this show yeah this show was was a was a toy vehicle like many of the other ones are uh, but man it was so dark and and when you see sandra shore get consumed and turned uh it's scary shit it is like 
it's the it's when Amy in Fright Night gets turned into an alien or sorry a vampire. You know, it's that kind of moment. There's actually vampire bat skeleton bats that look like the one in Fright Night when Jim, when Jerry turns into yeah. the vampire, uh, like the kind of mutated vampire bat. I loved it. I mean, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. It's worth seeking out all the episodes. I want to watch the rest of them. I just didn't have time. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny that you both, uh, you're talking about the armor because literally when I was watching it, that's like one of the first things that came up for me and the general design of the characters and stuff. I think that was what was always a little bit off putting by it. So like I can enjoy the concept now of it, but back then it just looked kind of ugly. Um, yeah, and I, totally. but like the, but I was watching, I had a little bit of a different take than you just gave um zach about the figures because i almost feel like i almost feel like they were a little bit more inspired i don't think it worked but i was really i was really dissecting (laughs) the armor and i was just like you know what in a in a way it was you know again compared to the show i'm going to talk about like it almost did it in such a way that it was made it way more distinct than all the other armor on different shows were so it had its own different kind of aesthetic and like they were more rounded and bulky and again like i don't yeah i don't think that they look good at all but I, I mean, just, one guy looks like he's got testicles on his yeah. legs. <laughs> yeah, that was the I'm one sorry. I had. But and it, the other guy looks like a veiny with, dick. Yeah. yeah, he looks like a veiny dick. Like yeah, a purple dick. yeah. But I just, I almost in a, in a way when I was watching it, and again, I, I'm only saying this because you both of you guys brought it up. But I literally remember thinking, um, like it almost had to be this way. Like if <laughs> you know, if you wanted to, if you if you had to sit down and you wanted to make something that looked a little bit more distinct or different. Like it's almost like a direction you might have gone in, and um, again, I, I re- repeat, I don't think it worked. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, and and in fact, um, Auger, the bald guy on the show, he's got the purple veiny dick costume. <laughs> he, it's very monstrous looking. If you look at his actual costume, he's got like horns on the sides. It looks like like skin muscle muscle tissue he's he's very interesting monstrous looking it's very yeah they're very weird and inspired and i love that i just think the playability if their heads were a little bit bigger because dudes and dudettes if you go on ebay and just take a picture or look at these things you take their helmet off it is the size so the helmet q-tip like a q-tip yeah, it is like it is like the uh, uh, their helmet is the size of a teaspoon, and then the head is the size of a Q-tip. Yeah, it's like so not proportioned properly. It, it makes and, it look and, like their bodies are microscopic inside the armor. You know? Yeah, it's weird. And I know in the cartoon they kind of make them look that way a little bit too. Like the mech suits are really bigger than they are. Yeah. Um. But not that bad. And then they've got these goofy smiles on. Them. I have this issue with action figures with smiles on their faces. Like, <laughs> you're not Duke, supposed to be happy. <laughs> no, Duke had a fucking smile on his face, and like, what was he so happy about? You know, I get it. He's saving the day, but like, action pose. Come on. As a kid, that killed me. As a kid, because I'm like, ah, they're not smiling when they're almost dying. 
It's it's <laughs> like Ford Fairlane. What's this asshole smiling about? <laughs> Tagline for every figure. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think, and I just want to circle back to what Diallo was saying. I, I think you're right. I, I hate the designs of them, but they do stand out. Nothing yeah, else do. looks like them. Uh, the these armors ever. Like you could scan a toy aisle, and immediately you'd be like, "Oh, those guys are the Inhumanoids." You know, it's it's they're, they're heavy too. They're, they're impressive in how unique they look, but like you said, Diallo, it doesn't work. It doesn't it, work. They just it doesn't work. And you know what? A for effort, but it doesn't work. And I do think that that probably created a, a, a you know. A disconnect between you know the probably the fans and and the show probably it's only why it was on for like thirteen episodes and I truly don't remember a lot of people playing with the toys and I only had you know a couple it just it definitely wasn't like GI Joe or something you know yeah and what you guys what Diallo what you were saying earlier about you know like these are obscure shows but in humanoids and centurions like had um, um, you know coloring books and. Um, uh, like picture books for kids and like they mass marketed the shit out of all this stuff a uh, toothbrush head uh, i think the uh, centurions had a toothbrush thing or a nightlight yep. or some shit mm-hmm. you know like these things went over the top we'll get the spiral zone toys in a second when, when we get to that but um i you know as far as in humanoids goes the marketing was all over the place for a show that only lasted 13 episodes well 13 weeks really you know and then they just re-ran it over and over and over again so yeah at, at nausea so uh zach what was uh, i know Bodhi kind of got scared of it so what's what's the Bodhi rating on this one so Bodhi rating on this one he loved it at first at first he's like oh this is great and then he's like turn it off turn it off it's scary so he went it went from a five down to a three and i was like three because it's scary he goes yeah so i'm gonna say four for him cut the difference yeah yeah and then toy toy line wise are we i, I don't know if, should we rank him at the end or should we do nah, it right now nah, let's do it now what one to five five being the best one being the worst overall i'm gonna give this one a three okay Okay. Because the the villains are amazing, but the but the guys that I wanted to play with sucked. <laughs> Diallo, what is your uh, I guess overall thoughts, and then um, you know uh, wrap up thoughts and uh, your your rating of the toys. Yeah, I think uh, you know as we were kind of talking just now, the thought of uh, certain types of styles of anime. Um, popped into my head and like you know you're watching uh, whatever Cowboy Bebop or something like that it has a certain slick look but then there was always uh, uh, I think it was like Fist of the North Star and it was always kind of like a little bit more like heavy lines, bulky, and I that kind of makes me think about in, in humanoids for some the reason. The shadows. Yeah the dark shadows um, so yeah that, that you know just like it was just done in a different artistic style and like i said it just didn't didn't work with the color palette and all that stuff um but the toys i um i will probably say like a two um it just yeah you know like it just didn't and again that was that was in the time when like i was like kind of too old to buy toys but i always like and we'll talk about it with the next uh my show like um you know my brother was at that age where he was getting all those toys and i i don't think he had any in humanoids so it just wasn't like a thing that 
like resonated with kids so i just don't think it really popped but i do remember just like that the uh, the media blitz of it all yes that's I, I, so distinct yeah 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 great I, I think it's a really cool show um like i said earlier i think it's 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 a cool concept um but yeah probably didn't resonate with a lot of people because it's this weird line between being scary and then still being for kids but also being like a little too scary for the age group so i don't really know what it's marketed at um and then as far as the toys go i'm landing with diallo these guys are a two so <laughs> you know what if if my if i didn't love my decompose so much i probably would have given this a 1.5 but i'll give oh. it a two <laughs> again can i can i throw a little wrench in this too sure. um on a diversity scale uh a through f this show gets an f oh yeah so <laughs> no i actually is... i did notice that actually in san francisco <laughs> and there's not even a fucking asian character like come on it's why yeah it's, there's it's one, wild it's there's wild. one show in this group that gets an a for mm, diversity and it's true. not this one yeah. oh yeah no i know it it's mine <laughs> ding <laughs> <laughs> spoiler uh, spoiler another right. san francisco show actually yep hey everybody Corey here i just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages on the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training, Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training, Bredain Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there, I'm Adiella Jackson, writer of the First Noel's Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vela if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The Winter Tell is almost here. And now, back to the show. All right. Well, Diallo, let's uh, jump into Centurions, 1986. Power Extreme! Bodhi said that today when he got his note, and he had an uh, Ace McLeod on his note, and he goes, Power Extreme! <laughs> I was so pumped when I saw uh, Bodhi's note today, and it was uh, Centurions. I was yep, like, oh, yeah. Too. That's for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Centurions, there were two seasons for 65 episodes that all appeared apparently in 1986. um it was uh actually a cool thing is uh it was uh designed by jack kirby who you may have heard of he's done a few things yeah and uh gil gil kane who has done a few things also who's that by the way um artist that uh did uh some work for like he worked a lot for dc the spider-man um you've yeah. you've seen his work. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um yeah, so the comic book legends. Um Jack Kirby, I think it was around the time Jack Kirby he like he had he had kind of left uh the Marvel and he he had he cuz he went on to, to to help design um a lot of cartoons. He did uh Thundar and some yeah. other stuff. Mhm. Yeah. So it him, was him a, and Alex Toth. Yeah, and Alex Toth. Yeah. 
It was a show. It was based in the far-flung 21st century. Whoa. <laughs> we definitely might be headed in this direction. <laughs> I think so. Um, it it uh, focused on uh, a group of, uh, at first, three uh, uh warriors so to speak and they were joined by two more in later uh, later seasons um and they all fought doc terror who was always wrecking stuff up <laughs> um you know their their most famous tagline um was power extreme which they would say whenever they received these weapons that were beamed down to them from their uh satellite called skyvolt so the characters were um, Max Ray, who was the sea-based centurion. He was voiced by Pat Fraley, who also um, had gigs in Denver, The Last Dinosaur. Pride of the X-Men, he did uh, Pyro. He was Krang from uh, <laughs> T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, Galaxy High. So a bunch of shows we've uh, done on, on this show. Um Jake Rockwell, who, surprise, surprise, if you look at his name, had to do with the Earth. <laughs> of course. Also a porn star name. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Vince Edwards uh, voiced him. Uh, he uh, He's really famous, actually, from the 60s. Uh, he's Ben Casey. He was, uh, it's like one of those epic medical shows uh, mm. long before uh, ER. Hit, hit the airways. He's also in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, another show we've done. And a show that we might do at some point, uh, like uh, The Highwayman. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, with uh, Sam Jones. Yeah, Sam Jones and uh, Jacko. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the other uh, centurion was Ace McCloud. Ace the douchebag McCloud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Voiced by Neil Ross. Uh, guess what his deal is? Ace McCloud had to do with with the sky. Uh, my note was that he was a total player. <laughs> yeah, he was with the thumbs up. Yeah. I love the thumbs up. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he definitely had had all the charisma, and it's actually pretty interesting how that character even was like written um, in a show like for kids. <laughs> uh, but he also he did a bunch of stuff for like he did Pirates of Darkwater. He was Norman Osborn in Spider Man. He did a, he's done a lot of video games, a lot of Star Wars video games actually. Yeah, okay. um, just one of them I would like um, noteworthy for me is that he did uh, he was in Knights of the Old Republic. It was just one of the oh, greatest cool. uh, Star Wars games made. Um, Who did he play in that? Um, I, it was a random character. I didn't get oh, the okay. I didn't get the name, but. Um, he also did um, the Codex narrator in the Mass Effect games. Uh, oh, Mass okay. Effect uh, 1 through 3. So I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. Avengers uh, Mightiest Heroes. And I, I put this note in there just for myself because I just recently spent maybe like three to six months uh, diving deep in it. He played Mayor, uh, Mayor Domino in the Final Fantasy VII remake. Which <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, I just, I just fell in love with that game. Um, anyways, um, there were two other, uh, Centurions that came down the line. One was Rex Charger. He, um, if you can guess a little bit by his name, he's um, a car based guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, 
um, Chevrolet. No, he uh, <laughs> he was an energy programmer, and oh. um, and then the last one, his name is John Thunder, and you can't really necessarily tell what he did by his name, but because it's racist, you can tell <laughs> what. <laughs> you, you can tell what he did because he was Native American and his deal was that he was like infiltration and he was sneaky and uh, oh God. <laughs> at least there's so, some diversity on it. Uh, I just thought, I was like, oh man, this is bad. I, I uh, hate to cut you off, but I had no clue about either of these two um, uh, guy, these two new ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at him now and ye- John Thunder a bit problematic these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. For buddy. the longest time, whenever a Native American character was in any, you know, any cartoon media, it was they they were straight off of the res, and yeah. they they dressed like they were from the 1800s, even though it was like 1984. You know. Um, what, what would you say about Spirit? Would you give him a, a little bit more uh, a little bit more cred? Yeah, you know, it's funny because Spirit was was cool. Like, and he had that cross between, like, that military look. And he wasn't so, like, how to say it? He wasn't so... Um, Offensive? Tip, t- yeah, he wasn't so typical, like, in the in his uh, in his representation. And and one thing I actually thought was cool about Spirit was that he was he was the one that was always pitted against Storm Shadow. So it yeah, was almost yeah. like his, uh, they, like, they, it showed his, like, his... Uh, his prowess and his, you know, expertise. Yeah. So, but you know, he was also from Taos, New Mexico, by the way. Oh, was it so, uh, for spirit? Yeah. Okay. They Taos, New Mexico is like one of the most like sacred places in our country. So, uh, I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. Me and a friend, he actually, a friend of mine, he, he actually grew up on a res and, and we always talk about that, like native American characters and TV. It's always like the, it's always like the, uh, the kid, um, and then there's the father and then the grandfather and then the grandfather always like is close to the <laughs> close to the spirits yeah. always. and the father's trying to be really modern and the kid like like <laughs> the kid like gets guided by the grandfather to go back to the ways it's like every every single time every yeah. single time and he and he's always a tracker and he always getting yeah. <laughs> It's got to be a tracker. Yeah. Anyways, we're we're getting way off. Getting way off. Uh, <laughs> sorry. sorry. John Thunder threw us off. Yeah, way off. Anyways, um, then you know, and obviously there was Doc Terror, who was voiced by Ron Fine uh, Feinberg. Um, it, one really noteworthy thing for me was that he played Santa in The Tick. Uh, that oh, we, hey, that we did for, yeah. Uh, yeah, that we did for the Christmas episode. Nice. He Perfect. was Andre the Giant, Transformers. He played Headstrong. He was in Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. Defenders. Who did he play in that? Um, he played, I didn't get the name of uh, the character he played, but okay. there's a tie in there because Diane uh, Pershing, who was Crystal Kane, who was up in the... Uh, uh, Sky Lab place. <laughs> As her bones are deteriorating. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she uh, was also in Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. Defenders. And she played Dale Arden. And she's also um, in Flash Gordon cartoon, um, playing cool. that voice Dale Arden also. She was also Poison Ivy. And, and uh, she was the voice of Isis um, and Tarzan and the Super 7, which we've done oh, also. Shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. It's 
Such a it's such a like a small incestuous group of voice actors. Yeah, from yeah. the eighties, you know. And um, totally. you know, one because there's a couple more I just want to go over real quickly. Um, Hacker, who's one of the henchmen, um, he was voiced by El- Ed Gilbert, um, who was the voice of General Hawk. Um, mm. He was the El Cid in um, The Tick, and uh, he also had a stint in in Humanoids, another show that we've uh, talked about. And he was oh, on a he, he was on a show that at some point maybe we might do at least I might do. Um, he was on the Hardy Boys. He played the their uh, the Hardy Boys' father. That was a show nice. that I was really obsessed with as a kid. Is that and live action or cartoon? Live action. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, there was a cartoon called The Hardies, but it was kind of a slightly different concept. It was more like okay. Scooby Doo ish. Um, and then yeah, lastly, I just set it up fast food place. Yeah. Lastly, there was a uh, Bill Woodson who was the narrator of the show. And he is noteworthy because he uh, was the voice of the Super Friends um, after, uh, yes. uh, what's his name from Too Close for Comfort, uh, Ted McKnight um, was gone. He did the voice of the Super Friends. And um, the opening of Battle of the Planets, if you've ever seen that cartoon, um, oh, yeah. uh, originally Gatchaman, and, um, and he also was the voice of the opening of Odd Couple. Those are all shows that I like. I used to watch the odd as a as a like a uh, eight year old. I used to watch reruns of the Odd Couple all the time and uh, nice. and uh, Battle of the Planets. So those were like I heard his voice on here, and I was like, oh, I know that guy, you know. So yeah, uh, the I think the most noteworthy thing, at least for me, about the show was the toys. Obviously, um, so like I said, as I said, like. I was in high school when this came out, too old to get the toys, but these toys were a lot more appealing, and I and my brother had these, and I was so glad he had them <laughs> because they were really cool because the whole concept was that they the characters could get teleported pieces of their armor to deal with different things that they were kind of facing. So with the toys, you could get sort of like uh, sets that you could use. Um, And so it was really interchangeable. There was something cool about the colors. Um, The designs were really cool. I think they were pretty proportioned. Um, Yeah. They they were big too and solid plastic. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, and actually they were, (laughs) they were by, they were by, (laughs) they were by Kenner. Which is, you know, who you may have bought a few toys uh, from Kenner over just a over over your yeah. time. I I, just, I have a glass case full of j- just a couple of them over here, you know. Yeah. Oh so. yeah, mask. You're talking about mask toys, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Yep. yep. And um, police academy toys. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the stories were actually kind of interesting because they they actually covered a lot of. Um, like it was a kids show, but they actually covered a lot of like higher minded sci-fi stories and um and then when you look at the writers actually you kind of see there's a lot of writers that were actually like novelists or they've gone on they you know they've done a lot of like different um sci-fi uh, steve perry wrote batman gargoyles ted peterson oh. he wrote for a uh, bionic woman which is uh, one of my all-time favorite shows um cool. uh, cadillacs and dinosaurs which that's another sh- cartoon that i might do at a certain point I, I was gonna say that should pop up on tv obscura at some point and yeah, yeah diallo if you don't do that one i'll bring it to the table but you, yeah. you might have a better uh you, you might have a, on it you I might do. have a better one than i do i just remember <laughs> watching a couple episodes back in the day was obsessed but couldn't really find it 
because it was yeah, like that, no. almost got canceled like right away. I think you and I have the exact same experience yeah. with yeah. it. <laughs> but I just always remembered. I actually found yep. it again last year and watched some episodes. It was great. Um, uh, Larry Dottillo, Larry Uber, Michael Reeves. Um, and then uh, one of my one of my favorites, I actually did a panel with him years, some years ago, um, uh, Mark Zickery, uh, Mr. Sci-Fi. Um, he's written for like Star Trek and uh, a bunch of other shows. So they had a pretty good pedigree of um, of writers doing the show. And the episodes um, kind of dealt with a little bit more than just that surface level adventure. There was like a level of uh, like existential uh, dread or something on some level. So um, that's what I got for Centurions. I know I talked a lot. Um, what did you think about it, Corey? Uh, of the three cartoons we were discussing, uh, this one I probably watched the most. Uh, maybe it was a Saturday morning thing or something, um, but I watched the hell out of it as a kid. Though that being said, I don't remember the two new Centurions, uh, which is funny because as I was watching the episodes that we had for the show uh, for this TV Obscura, I was thinking, I was like, man, it would have been nice if there was a female Centurion, because, you know, the, the mm. girl that was up in, in the Skywatch Tower thing up in space, beaming them down their their weapons and stuff, I always wanted to, like, see her suit up or something. I thought that would have been, you know, cool. Um, and, of course, per every, almost every, uh, you know, cartoon from the 80s, there is a two sidekicks. There is a dog <laughs> who had cool armor and always wanted that dog toy, but I don't think they ever made one. No. And then, of course, they have an orangutan pet, so... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, I had uh, Jake Rock's Rockwell toy. I had the Max Ray toy. Um, I did not have McLeod, uh, but I had both of those. I love them. I, I would even play with the Max one in the tub and everything when I would take a bath. And, you know, and I remember, yeah, like you said, Diallo, they, you could buy separate, like, packs of of stuff for them and everything and i just i love the way they looked i love the way that like they felt like they were such solid beefy toys they were so well put together they could take a punishment they were a lot of fun i love that you could take the helmets on and off and i loved more than anything that everything was just in proportion and like looked correct that being said i think one of the reasons you know, it's not a cartoon that I, I kind of, you know, have as much fond memories as, like, I do of G.I. Joe or something. It's because I thought the fucking villains were so dumb looking. Mm. I I had the blue guy, and that was it. I hated that toy. Like, you ever have a toy where you're, like, you're looking at it, and you're like, I hate Why this. Why do I have this? Why do I have this? I don't like yeah. this. I didn't even ask for this. Um, I hated how it was, first off, I hated the blue guy that he was shirtless. Uh, second off, I hated the fact that he was not in shape. He was kind of pudgy. Third, I was like, why are both of the villains, like, half of their body, yes, it's robotic, but it's not that it looks like the other half. It looks like two pieces kind of merged together, and there's no symmetry, and I, I think I love symmetry because I fucking hated them, but... I played the shit out of the toys. And the thing is, I didn't have them fighting the the, the enemies from the show. I just kind of had them doing their own thing because I thought they looked spectacular. And I can, I mean, just, I can, I can honestly tell you guys that to this day, 
I can remember playing with just like a handful of toys, vivid memories, you know, and everything. But one of the vivid memories I have is playing with my Centurions. I think they were cool toys, especially uh, um, especially Max Ray. I loved his his shade of green and black and everything. He just looked he looked amazing, so colorful, so much fun. And yeah, I, I think the sh- the cartoon, the episode that that we watched uh, a couple episodes, I think it's great. I think it holds up well, and the daily motion uh, encoding or or remastering or whatever looks spectacular. It never looked this good, and I was like, wow, I would actually like to rewatch the the entire series, and I would love to own the toys, and I think they should reboot them or not reboot them, just bring them back like they do with Super Seven and everything. Just bring them back, you know? They yeah. look. They look amazing. Don't even touch the design. Just bring them back as is. They look absolutely spectacular. And, uh, yeah, fond memories of Centurions. And, yeah, I think the, the, the episode's like, like yeah, the it was dealing with, like, eco-terrorism. It was dealing with, like, big shit. Like, the world was on fire and stuff. Like, it was world, like, epic sort of battles and adventures. And that was really cool. But... I definitely do not remember those two new characters, so I guess <laughs> that means I didn't watch it. I probably didn't watch it as much as I think I did, and I probably played with the toys more than I watched it, but, boy, those toys were spectacular. Well, you know, you, you might have. It's kind of like um, like all those shows did it after, those, uh, after they'd been on a while because, like, there's that pack of uh, Thundercats towards the end or the uh a few yeah with the old man or whatever yeah, yeah. linkso or something like that and a couple and then there's also uh on a uh, silverhawks another you know it's kind of the same show it, it is the wing. same thing they had a couple of characters in but like hot wing and flashback yeah and i remember what like but it's like but, but when you talk about silverhawks or thundercats it's always that prime group so you yeah kind of it's not that you didn't watch them a lot it's just that's just kind of what happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Zach, what were uh, what were your thoughts on Centurions? Well, first of all, I agree with you about the toys. The figures themselves of the heroes look just like they did in the cartoon. Like they were the most accurate looking. Uh, so for that, they, they get mad props when they they made them look just like those guys. My issue with the toys was they weren't proportioned to anybody else, so you couldn't have them battle other toy lines you know forget whatever toy story talks about in in those movies where they're like (laughs) oh no all the toys get along no no kid did that no kid played with their with their kitty carry all doll and a gi joe guy battling in the backyard nobody did that no i am and will always be a scale whore i I love to scale that's why i was i I love like warhammer Forty Thousand and stuff because all the miniatures are to scale and i think it's because when i was growing up my grandfather had a a train set in his basement it wasn't like just a train set it was like a city and everything Mm -hmm. and whatnot but it was all to scale and as a kid i was like oh my god that's amazing so I'm with you, Zach, 110 fucking thousand percent on that. Yeah, they just didn't match up with anybody, which was a real bummer because I definitely love the the heroes. And and I'm a hero guy, so that's why this the show scored for me. There was like, yeah, this overall sense of dread with Doc Terror. Um, the the miniseries, the the you know, the four part miniseries, the, the the pilot, I guess, is really good. Uh, I am definitely going to watch every episode from here on out because it's just a fun show. 
It's so well done. It's beautiful, beautifully animated, I think, for its time, uh, especially for a show that had 65 episodes. You see, like, the, the quality kind of deteriorates. It didn't seem like it did. Um, yeah, I, I got lost in the fold as a kid w- with this show. There were just so many shows on at that time. I think it was on Monday through Friday, actually. Okay. And okay. I think the problem was there you could only you could choose one show or the other. You know, I didn't have the VCR where you could set the timer for one show on another channel and watch it. You know, that was too fancy for me. Um, but but th- th- the bummer about all that was I just didn't get to see those shows in their entirety. Silverhawks, Thundercats, all those shows that lasted more than 13 episodes. I didn't see the last half. You know, I think yeah. G.I. Joe is the one that maybe I, I missed like five or six episodes and that was it. Um, but yeah, I love this show. I think it's, it's really well done. It's definitely more of uh, kid friendly out of the three. Um, Bodie yeah. loved it and he thought it was really cool and he wanted to keep watching more. He loved the accessory building and yeah, the accessory building is really cool. It's fascinating. Their suits like transport them, uh, you know, allow them to move around and it's kind of ahead of its time in some ways. Um, and, and to I love steal that th- a term that I've learned from, you know, the toys that made us, the toys, they had a lot of play value to them with, totally. with all the weapons and everything that they came with. Yeah, and I think the reason, at least for myself, speaking so heavily about the toy lines of each of these shows is because each of these shows had really cool toy lines. They were just different. They were really different. So I love the accessories. Um, and again, like the lead, the lead guy, it looks like Tom Selleck and mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty badass. It's like, you got, you got Magnum PI as your hero. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the show. I give it two, two thumbs up. <laughs> and Diallo, it's funny when you said that, uh, Kirby designed these, dude, I can see that now with the, the circle peg holes, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Cause it totally looks like, uh, you know, like his new, new God stuff. Yeah. Yep. All, yeah. And you know, Kirby's all about those connected circles with lines connecting them yeah. and stuff. And I can totally see it now. It's like, Oh, like right when you said it, it was just like flooding my brain. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's uh... a, <laughs> He, you know, he was, he's a, he's a creator that I didn't really appreciate till I was much older, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, now I, I, I definitely see the vision that he had and the impact that he had. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give you my final thoughts on it. I, I think it's like Zach said, it's a beautifully animated. Uh, I think it's a gorgeous show. I like how colorful it is. I like their colors and, you know, it, as as far as like the villains go, they're not as offensive on the show because you're not like I guess playing with them, and you're also you they're kind of fighting like the robots and stuff, the the grunt robots and everything. So it's not as bad when you're not actually playing with it. So I I do want to go back and uh, and and rewatch this series and everything on Daily Motion because I don't have the DVD set. Um, but as far as toys go, it. I got a gland on 3.5. It can't be a four because I hated the villain toys, but mm. I can't give it a three, you know, because I, I really like the, uh, the the three Centurions. I think that was really cool, and I think it's a great concept, and I think, the like I said, the, the playification or whatever was just... Re- the play value was really fucking high with it. And, yeah, for a show that I, I you know, however many episodes I watched, I played with the toys a lot longer than I watched the show itself, I think. Diallo, wrap up thoughts on this one and the and your toy rating. Yeah, um, you know, I like I, I I watched it pretty significantly. It's funny that you said that, Zach, about uh, 
the timing. I think for me, it came on like it came on afternoons, Monday through Friday on TV forty four. Um, TV forty four. Yeah. So I like I, for whatever reason I'm I, I was trying to think about it. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. So because I know GI Joe and Transformers was like a one two punch at like uh four and four thirty and then but then i guess i was watching centurions a little bit before that i have no idea um but anyways uh it was a great cartoon uh love the color the artwork it had a vision of the future that um wasn't as dark as the the other two but it still it still had um you know the world like you said the world was on fire um for the toys I would actually give it a four. Um, I would give it a five if the villains actually looked better. Um, there was something about the inception of the idea of the villains, I think, where they were just sort of like one note um, evil bad guy, which most cartoons at that time did. But I think in this case, it might have been better if he had like he had been one of the centurions that had like it didn't work out or something it, it, it yeah. gra- grafted to his body and then it would have been also a little bit more personal and and i think it could have grown from there what, what if he was like a gen one centurion where they haven't sort of figured out you know how to sort of make everything work and it kind of got grafted to him yeah or yeah and i think you're right like Maybe if the villains were just their personality was more interesting, they could stay. The, the design could be the same. Yeah. But it's literally it's every time I am Doc Terror, I am gonna destroy the Earth. Yeah. It's like, but but why? You know, like <laughs> give me, just give me. And even I think even as a kid, I think even as a kid, I just I needed something more because at least Cobra Commander had a personality and you know he had like rapport with his people and a banter stuff going on here yeah it's just I am Doc Terror everything you need to know is in my name I don't even need to talk you know what I mean it's just like yeah fuck you man <laughs> he uses maybe he was just misunderstood you know people being ableist against him and he just <laughs> he just decided to go down that path he just wanted yeah. a hug yeah, so four, four for the toys. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty I, damn good. And I say, and I, I say four because I actually think the the hero side of that equation was like that good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give them. Uh, so on a Bodhi scale, I'm gonna give this show a four. He really liked it. Solid. It checked all the boxes for him overall. Uh, but on the toys, on the toy line, yeah, I'm teetering between 3.5 and four. I'm gonna give it a four based on the 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 coolness factor of the heroes. But I agree with you, Corey. The villains sucked. The like, it, it, they're just so lunky and clunky and and one note. If they had released at least one like sentry figure, like one soldier uh, villain robot that they could. You could buy multiple ones of to pit against the Centurions, then it would have been great. It would have been fine. But they didn't do that. I guess the future toy line, they were going to release like a shark at one point and and in like a, a panther with all these hole with holes all over its body to add stuff to, but they never did. So the toy line eventually collapsed. I think they were kind of expensive too. Well, they were, uh, yeah, they were. They were, they were, they were yeah. expensive. So, yeah. I think that's what ultimately suffered for it. But that's that's my rating on 
ultimately a really fun show. And and I don't mean to harp on on the villain figures, but think about the play, all the accessories and everything that come with the heroes and stuff. The villains didn't have any of that stuff. So it's, it's, no, it was almost they, like they, they were from another toy line, you know? I mean, they weren't, but it was almost as if they were. It's like, why would you even want one of the villains? I do think, though, that they could do a water-shooting mechanism on their robotic half, and I think that's also why that side of it was so clunky, because I do think there was something in there, hmm. like it was hiding some sort of mechanics or at least a water pump or something. But when you take the heroes and they have all these pieces that you can add on and replace and do stuff with, and then you just get the villains, and they're I like that they're giant chunks of plastic. I love that, but that's all they did. Like, And you say like one note, but, you know, and I was thinking character-wise, but no, toy-wise too, they're very one note. They're just there to stand up and get knocked over, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't... They weren't... Like they weren't good foils. Like you, yeah, you, yeah. even like concept wise, you when you have the villain, sometimes you know they're just the the opposite side of the heroes, and they just didn't. They 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 had that um, ro- robot part, but the Centurions weren't really robots. So yeah, yeah, what was going on there? And like I said, it would have if I feel like if they had a made you know had a little bit more backstory or something to it then they they might have actually designed them differently you know yeah it's 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 almost like it's almost like they designed the villains in a vacuum away from the centurions because you know spoiler alert when we get to spiral zone the heroes and the villains are very equal like you know they're very on par with each other but here i mean even at at its base level you can tell that the villains can't even run they're so clunky yeah and i hate his helmet the <laughs> doc, doc terror and his helmet was fucking terrible i think i and the blue guy had a ha- hacker he had a helmet too i think i fucking literally threw it away right when i i got him i was like this is trash this helmet is trash <laughs> so apparently apparently uh there's a toy line called ramen toys they released a i think he's maybe four inches uh they're called 80s commanders and they released a um a ace mcleod figure oh i think i've seen i've seen that i've actually yeah i've seen that that's actually really cool and i do want to make a caveat to say if they ever do like someone like super seven like redoes them you got to make them seven inches again. You can't fucking make them small, no matter what Zach says. Because at this point, I'm not going to be playing with playing with it anyways. So I want it to be the big giant piece of plastic that it was. You know. So you're saying size matters, is what you're I, saying. I am saying size fucking matters, baby. No matter what they tell you, <laughs> size size matters. matters. Hey, I like a good old pocket commando. So uh, there you go. <laughs> That sounded bad, and it was intentional. <laughs> oh, apparently, they make all the the uh, the all three uh, of the Centurions. Oh, cool! What what was the name of that company again? You said Eight, uh, Ramen Toys, Eighties Commanders. They make uh, yeah, they make all three guys. But they probably don't call them Centurions because if they don't have the license, or do they nope. actually call them Centurions? Yeah, they don't. They, it's they they just call them Eighties Commanders. It's it's interesting what you can get away with when you don't actually use the name. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, get 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 wise to this shit. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something 
always watching something always waiting what would you do where would you run where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone podcasting after dark presents seven winters alone a dystopian haunted house story by david irons available now in paperback and ebook And now, back to the show. Speaking of uh, one toy line being one thing in Japan and then coming over to the States and being transformed, Corey? Corey? Spiral Zone! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Earth's most powerful soldier! Yeah! Yeah, that was a fun song, by the way. <laughs> Love that song. Uh, all right, Spiral Zone, 1987. Spiral Zone is an American-produced animated cartoon based on a line of Japanese toys by Bandai. Only one season of 65 episodes were produced by Japanese studio Visual 80 and South Korean studio Acom. Acom, the latter, is known for shows like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, uh, yep, Animaniacs, The Tick, Batman the Animated Series, and so many more. So it's it's that's a pretty big studio. The U.S. toy rights were acquired by Tonka, and they produced similar figures to their Japanese counterparts. They weren't exactly the same. Um, they weren't as as the Japanese to- counterparts had m- the 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 figure underneath had so many more moving parts than the uh, Tonka one did. Each toy uh, was seven inches tall. Another another one that uh, these characters were huge, uh, and featured cloth uniforms, armor, equipment, and vehicles. Uh, DC Comics put out a four-issue limited series, which I had every issue. Same. So the concept behind it is uh, in 2007, (laughs) in the far, far future, a.k.a. our distant past uh, (laughs) of 2007, an evil scientist by the name of Overlord and his Black Widows use an experimental NASA shuttle to drop zone generators across half of the Earth, thus creating the spiral zone. People inside these areas are transformed into zoners, mindless zombie-like slaves that uh, Overlord uses as his army. The only people that can stop Overlord are the five zone riders, led by U.S. Special Forces Officer Commander Dirk Courage. Not Diggler. <laughs> Not Dirk, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> the you got zone... Rockwell and uh, Centurions <laughs> oh, and man. Diggler and this. The Zone Riders are able to enter the Spiral Zone without being affected thanks to their special suits uh, that, that can't be reproduced because it took, like, this special alloy to make them. So it's kind of neat because now that means that there's only, you know, the five of them. Awesome. Um, we watched uh, a couple episodes. One particular episode four, Mission into Evil, was basically just Escape from New York uh, plot, essentially. Um, but... uh. So just as a kid, this was like in Humanoids. It was another show that I I never really got to see. I only maybe caught one or two episodes, but I thought it was so cool that it just became mythical to me. And I was like, oh, my God, like this Spiral Zone thing. And I had the comics, so I knew of its existence, but I never got a chance to see the cartoon. I did have one toy. I had Tank. 
Um, <laughs> I play like Centurions. I just played the shit out of him by himself. Like I didn't. I just you know he just fought imaginary creatures or whatever. Actually, not gonna lie, I would take his helmet off and use him as a colonial marine. Um, I would just make him be fighting like xenomorphs and whatnot uh, because I didn't have any of the of the bad guys, which I actually wanted. Yeah, buddy, Diallo. What's a xenomorph? <laughs> Good one, buddy. Good one. <laughs> it's a bug hunt. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. This, this, and this was another one that was uh, traumatizing to me as a kid, especially if you watch Mission into Evil. Uh, it, like the people get turned into zombies in this. Uh, unlike, unlike in in humanoids, it seems to be once you are brought out of the zone, the spiral zone, the effects like will wear off and everything, but. Like, it was freaky to me, especially you see it in this episode, uh, Mission and Evil, episode four. It was freaky to me because, like, people would be existing and, and going about their daily business, like, right outside of the zone, you know. <laughs> and then, like, this kid gets, like, walks up next to the zone and then someone just grabs him, you know, out of it. And I was like, holy shit, that, that was, it was just so scary. But I it's do just I, like a barrier there, yeah. uh, like a like a wooden barrier. No, it was just cones. It was like just yeah, like, cones. you know, cones. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sorry. I got so excited to talk about like the episode and everything. I forgot to mention the voice actors. Everybody we've ever talked about is in this. <laughs> Everybody mentioned so far and Bumblebee. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Frank Welker uh, is in it. Um, Frank Welker. We have Michael Bell. You know, he plays he's Duke, like you've mentioned before, although he plays a Japanese uh, character named Hiro <clears throat> Taka in this one. So that's racist. interesting. That's racist. Yep. We're we yep. Fern on here. Cultural racist. appropriation. Uh, we have, of course, Neil Ross. Uh, he actually plays Overlord. Um, we have Mona Marshall, who plays, I love this name, Duchess Dyer. Uh, she's she's fantastic. She's great. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great, and she's, she's been in so much stuff. Um, and we have Dan Gilvesan as Dirk Courage, who he was Bumblebee in Transformers, famously. So, uh, awesome. Of course, awesome. Yeah, of course it has its... its, its uh, you know, it's it's cast of, of actors that we all know and love. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Hal Rail, who plays uh, Max Jones in this, he was also the voice of the Predator in Predator 2, one of Zach's favorite movies. Um, sure is. Top, bottom, 100. <laughs> so, JK. Yeah. JK. I, I loved I loved the armor. I loved the characters. I loved the villains. And I loved most of the vehicles. I did not care for that personal tank thingy that had the weird mace. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. These bludgeoning mace things. The big testicles could, on it? Giant testicles on the side of their tires. Where, like, you could tell, like, okay, toy-wise, like, you get why they make that into a toy. But then you, you watch it in the show and you're like, but why would you create that in real life? You know what I mean? But other than that... I thought it was a, a strong show. The episode, the second episode we saw, the other one that you sent, Zach, um, it, where it actually delves, dives into the origin of the Spiral Zone and everything. Like, in that episode, they, they have this weird, they don't say slave trade or whatever, but there is this idea that they're trading zombies from one zone to another via this yeah. train system. It's, it's dealing with some super, super dark and heady shit and then on top of it 
Like, as a kid, the fact that the bad guys all, like, were in New York and, like, New York was, like, zoned out and everything and, and they were, like, in the Chrysler building. Like, it was all real locations that I was, you know, growing up only four hours away from. So it kind of just gave it this sense of, I don't know, real-world urgency as a kid and, and definitely freaked me out. I think this one and in Humanoids almost evenly freaked me out uh, as far as like trauma goes uh, but toy wise I still adore the toys to this day I I, I I think I still have my tank toy in my mom's basement somewhere um, but I love the fact that they had like cloth cloth outfits you know there was cloth because it was like the old style G.I. Joe's essentially you know and and I liked that the armor and everything and I do believe this was one of those uh, kind of toy line where you could buy extra attachments for the armor and buy vehicles and stuff like that. But overall, I, I thought it was, I, I loved it back as a kid, even though it scared the shit out of me. And I think it holds up really well to today. And I think 99% of like the designs on the show are fan fucking tastic. So that's, I, I thought this was great. Uh, Diallo, what'd you think of spiral zone, buddy? I never watched it. <laughs> I I barely remember it. <laughs> I don't even like I for some reason I knew the like the spiral zone, you know. Maybe maybe they were like they were like commercials that came out for it, but yeah. I literally don't remember the toys. I don't remember the vehicles. I didn't know anything. But I was like but if anybody ever said spiral zone, I still knew what they were talking about. So, so um, thank goodness for marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's another, it's another one too. I don't even know when it aired, like, because I can't, I couldn't even like, like a lot of shows. You know, I could say, oh, well, it came on Sunday, and that's why I didn't see it. Or if it came on early mornings, on if it came on a, if it came on TV thirty six where I lived, I didn't get to see it much because that was like San Jose, and it was very grainy picture that I could only like get at night you know so not really sure about any of that um and i watched the episode and i really enjoyed it so i was really glad that i got a chance to see it um i did think and i only watched the pilot episode the first episode i did think that it needed a little bit more and i'm sure obviously you went into it a lot more of what was going on with it but it it felt to me like the world and the mechanisms of how the world worked weren't really explained to me in the the first episode it just sort of was like here we are and this is what's going on and and it it, it i needed more because it was so rich that i needed to understand why <laughs> why there were just cones <laughs> <laughs> blocking the spiral zone yeah. yeah why didn't he actually erect some kind of like a barrier or something yeah. if it was that dangerous um and then the vehicles didn't like i was like kind of what you said i literally was watching it i was like why would you make vehicles like that you know <laughs> you're like i get why it's a toy but why in the yeah, real why is, world <laughs> yeah why is this but you know now that because you said it was a, it was originally a Japanese cartoon. I think no, it was actually just a Japanese toy line. Oh, just a, oh, a toy line. Okay, by Bandai. Yeah. Okay, and de- sorry, designed also designed by one of the designers of Gundam. Okay, 
Well, because the the animation actually, this is one thing that I noticed. The animation actually was really good. Like at least mm-hmm. in that first episode, it looked it looked very J- Japanese. Actually, it looked yeah. like almost like it it wasn't quite as good as a lot of eighties um, anime, but it like it was like the quality I think was higher than some of the other things that we watched. So I was impressed by that. Um, but yeah, it just like I I I liked it. Shout out to San Francisco again. Um, that was one of my, you know, big takeaways from watching both, uh, both of those episodes. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought like the, the concept and everything I thought was really cool. Um, again, just watching the pilot episode, I just, I wanted more explanation of like what was going on. Um, but other than that, like I definitely, I could keep watching it and find out more. Cause like I, like I said, I, I did, I did love the action of it, um, and um, uh, there was the. I, I actually watched. I watched a couple episodes. There was. I there was another one where I watched where there was a an old timer that used to fight in the spiral zone, and they went in to. Uh, they thought he like portrayed them or something. I, th- I mean, th- I thought it was a very complex story, and it was actually really cool. So there's a lot more character to it than just like what you see on other shows. So yeah. I dug it. I really dug it. Yeah, and and to your point, I think it was same as you. Uh, I don't know when it was on air. I barely ever saw it, but I did occasionally. So I'm thinking it was either Sunday morning. Or it was weekdays, but like at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. that slot or something like that. Uh, and then to the backstory and everything, like you wanting more, uh, Zach can speak to this a little bit uh, better. But there's an episode later on that actually has the origin, but it's not the first episode. It's like it's like way later that they actually mm. give you what happened, like the origin of the Spiral Zone and everything, mm. which is pretty cool. Uh, Zach, thoughts on Spiral Zone? Well, um, I love this show. I've always loved this show. I, I, when, when you said you were going to take this show, I'm like, I was so excited because I would race home to watch the last 10 minutes of the show after school. I think it was on, uh, in the Bay area at like two thirty or oh. maybe three. Oh, wow. Uh, no wonder through Friday. It. Yeah. and it was so hard because you know, it was, it was by far my favorite show on tv at the time we're talking 87 so i was like 11 years old uh way into like intense shit and like dark stuff you know aliens had already come out at this point predator had was out i i was watching all that stuff and i wanted a level of intensity that spiral zone gave me it was way dark you guys are right it's so dark it um uh, i saw on a another segment online and the comparing it to like basically the walking dead for kids at that time. And it is, it's, it's gritty. It's dark episode four. So everyone listening, who's never seen the show, just jump ahead and watch episode four and episode 54 to start. Those are the, the two that you should start with, with this series. That's really the, gives you the meat of what this show is about. Uh, I wow, love, so wait a minute. It, it takes 54 episodes to get the origin. Well, you get you get a, uh, a an origin story in episode four. Oh, okay. A little bit of it. You get a little bit of an origin story in episode four, and then you get a little bit more depth as to what you know um, what the villains want to do. Yeah, it's way out of order. It's way out of order um, because clearly episode four at the end of it, it, it episode four has scenes that are actually in the 
opening credits. Yeah. Yeah, the so kid grabbing like, the kid and everything. Where yeah. they grab the yeah. Um on a diversity level, this show gets an A, I think, out of the three shows. I was gonna say really quickly, um, that Centurions probably gets a C minus. But uh but this show was so badass, I uh just like wanted to live in this universe and be a part of the spiral zone. They were such badass characters. The villains were super evil. Uh, Reaper, the guy who did the voice of Reaper. I'm not, I'm not tracking who it is off the top of my head, but it's such a cool tone that he has to his voice. Um, they use like real guns, sorry, lasers in this show. I agree with Diallo. The animation was so good. It just, it blew me away. And it was something I'd never seen before, you know, in a, a world where you get turned into a zombie. How cool is that? Like, it was just, it was really unique. I, out of all three of these shows, to me, it was the most bleakest, darkest, and unique for me. Um, the toy line, I have very mixed feelings about. Overall, it's my favorite toy line out of the three. Um the toy line was great. I love the cloth clothes. I love the accessories. The villains the were very creepy. Uh, they, they did not look like they did in the cartoon. They came pretty close, you know, the, but they didn't look like um, Bandit, I think, is one of the characters. Like, how he looks in the cartoon is way cooler than he looks in the... Um, in the action figure version, yeah, yeah. he actually looks like it's kind of racist looking. I think the way they depict <laughs> him, just to be honest with you. Uh, but man, and and then you know, like the like I said, the accessories were cool. I agree with you guys. The 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 the, the vehicles were like, what the hell? I think they're just trying to be original. The, I think mask had already come out at this point. The motorcycles were cool, or like the psych, the one tire cycle. That was probably the coolest vehicle that they had. I agree. I agree. My biggest complaint with the figures is I never wanted to take the hero's helmets off because they look so weird. Dirk Courage's eyes, and I sent a picture to Diallo and Corey at the same time while it, I was. It's I'm not gonna hear fuel. I'm not gonna sleep. No, no you're not gonna sleep because his eyes fuel. are like he's got pinhole blue eyes, and they're so creepy looking with this weird face. I think as a kid, uh, the figures actually creep me out they gave me night terrors uh and it was the heroes i think more so but but the villains are they're they're mutated zombies yeah like to me it's the walking dead comic book uh series that Corey and i talked about way way back oh yeah where the zombies have a a brain they're a, a sentient and they're they're like fully aware and they're yeah. taking over, trying to take over the world. And that's what it is. Yeah, so guys and gals, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, in season two, Zach and I reviewed the comic series from Air Cell Comics back in the 80s, uh, or uh, probably late in the, or mid-90s, early 90s, something like that, called The Walking Dead. This is not the Kirkman version. This was the original Walking Dead. So go check that out on on season two. We we have it on the on the feed and everything. Yeah, go check that out. And if you guys are curious about um, the this kind of digging t- into the series more, get the DC comic. You can get it really yeah. cheap on eBay. Um, the, 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 the characters are super cool. It's weird that Hero was voiced by Duke, uh, Michael Bell. Like, uh, that dude, not to stereotype or whatever, but they could have cast, like, Key Young, 
who did a shit ton of voices back then too? I'm like, why didn't you cast an Asian actor to play an Asian character? Um, but whatever. The guy who plays Max, his character voice is so badass. And then Tank is like a, a, a ripoff of Arnold Schwarzenegger and his son is trapped in the zone. Yeah. And it's like, that's yeah. a, oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. This, this one, this one has to me a lot more soap operetta, uh, Robotech type elements to it where it's like, I want to see this universe unfold and I want to see a movie version of this shit. I want to see like more of Spiral Zone and it's such a shame that you can't get it on DVD because I want to own the DVDs. But yeah. fortunately, because the quality on YouTube is fine. It's yeah, passable, it's but it's passable. not that great. It's not the worst um, thing we've ever seen on TV Obscura, but it, it's it's certainly not as good as as the Centurions on Daily Motion. And Zach- And to, in Humanoids too is pretty good. Uh, on, yeah, Humanoids looks fantastic as well. And, and Zach, to your point, Point. I mean, I'm looking through the series writers and everything. We have like Jerry Conway, who like did the story for Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. There you uh, go. We have, you know, we have uh, freaking Haskell Barkin. Uh, he, he's, he's done episodes of Monsters, The Twilight Zone, uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, Patrick Barry, he's done episodes of War of the Worlds, the TV series that we love. Uh, right. Hunter, a show that I loved as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's so I think there's a, a decent pedigree here. Um, and then Zach, to answer your question from earlier, who did the voice of Reaper? His name was uh, Denny Delk. Um, he does a lot of video game stuff, notably Diallo. He was in uh, Knights of the Old Republic, like as like a bartender character. But nice. then he did like a stint of like being the narrator for every Star Wars game in like the early 2000s to like 2006. Okay. So like if there was a narrator, it was his voice. Mm. Um, very cool tone. Yeah, very very cool and Zach, I think what you're saying, I, I agree with, like, I think of all three of these shows, I think all three of them could actually be easily rebooted now and everything, but I think this one would probably be the, like, could maintain most of what it's look, most of everything, and not have to be, like, retooled too much. I mean, you even have yeah. a female, uh, uh, per, you know, zone rider in this zone as well. Zone rider. You, you have female good guys and female bad guys. Like, that. that's awesome to see. And what I think that would be great for this franchise make it a video game make it a turn-based strategy mm -hmm. game like XCOM, where you have to control like your squad of of zone riders and have it you know you, you can outfit them with what you what you want and all this kind of stuff but do something like that and i think you could have missions where you have to go into the zone and you know rescue somebody or destroy one of the zone generators or whatever but i i think that there's a lot here st you can still mine for some good shit I, I agree. If, I agree. If I was a studio exec, I, I would actually, like, if I could get the rights to this, I would just make this show. Like, a live action, like, it easily could be on, you know, like, CW or something like that. Like, and one of the one of their more, um, uh, not, dark's not the word, but one of the more thoughtful shows that ends up being on CW, like at the 100 for a while, yeah. stuff like that. I definitely... Like I really loved the concept of it when I was watching it. Like, I, and and you wouldn't have to change very much. Like it's all yeah. there. You just just make it. 
just do a representation of it in live action and it, it, everything that you need is already there the the terror of it you know um just of, of yeah. having your body mutated and losing your mind and you know there could be the whole thing of like do we want to like fight these soldiers but you know that also means we're fighting sort of technically innocent people or something yeah. and then i would love to see that the bad guys maybe would be able to take more damage or maybe be stronger or something like that but well, that's why in episode four is so pivotal because um, the, the, it lays the groundwork for kind of the development of like these these mindless people and like when you can save them or when it's too late to save them potentially. Um, the, there's one, you know, Dirk's like kind of idol or a guy he looks up to is, is gets pulled into the zone and and they have to rescue him and he pulls a gun on him at the end and it's so dramatic you know because he he's basically following the orders of overlord and uh and the little kid is too a little kid holding a gun pointing a gun at people yeah. that's pretty that's pretty intense for uh for an 80s cartoon yeah and and i will say too last thing i'll say is um uh the, the there's like you know a romance between um, you know, Duchess Dyer and Overlord. Yeah, and it's like that's some cool heavy shit. You know, like I, I, I think you don't see that all that often. You saw it with um, um, Destro and Baroness. You know, but I can't think of that many cartoons that have like a love angle going on. It's especially when like like one of um, you know Overlord's second in command was like giving a report, and Duchess Dyer kind of like tacks onto it, but kind of just steals the information and everything to make herself look good. Afterwards, he's like, "You don't ever do that again." You know, make your and, he, and she's like, "Yeah, well, Overlord's romantically interested in me, not you." So basically, <laughs> fuck yeah. off. And I was like, "I dude, know, dude." <laughs> And, like, they all hate each other, yeah, which makes sense because they're all, like, evil fucks. They're evil, but then I would like to see maybe, like, some kind of motivation for Overlord. And he's like, you know what? You all are destroying the world. I'm going to make it better. You know, like, give him give him a reason for creating these spiral zones, you know, and make it be like, you know, in his head he thinks he's doing the right thing or whatever. But, yeah, I think there's a, it's a lot of, of fertile ground to be mined here. And like Diallo said, you could just straight up do, like, a one-to-one just straight up make it a live action show. And I, I think it would work, especially if you had the right writers on it and, and, you know, actually tackled some interesting subject matters with it. Like you could even like tackle like, like refugee stuff, like bringing people out of the, of the zone and how do we rehabilitate them and where do we put them and, and all these, how like it just, there's so many things you could do with it. So I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, my final thoughts, I fucking loved it. I, I, you know, it, it held like this weird mythical place in my head as a kid. And it's the same as in humanoids because I just didn't get to see it much, but the, the mi- micro moments that I saw scared me so much or fascinated me that just left such a lasting impression in my head. And uh, I got to say, Spiral Zone holds up so well, just just like all three of these shows. And then as far as toys go, I- I'm giving this one a five. I loved these toys, even with like, because I like the villains. The villains looked just as good as the, as the good guys. And then the silly, you know, vehicles, I can totally buy in toy form. That doesn't bother me. And if anything, I just didn't want to own the little tank thing. I would just own the motorcycle thing, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a horrible nightmare of a face, but it was still a fucking fun toy to play with, bro. And I had a blast, blast playing with it. Uh, Diallo, final thoughts and your toy rating? Yeah, you know, like I said, um, I 
didn't have a lot of experience with it. Um, I, you know, I only have one image of the toy. And well, they uh, have two with Zach's the one yeah. he's been sending. No, up. I mean that's the one. That's actually the only one I have. <laughs> what do you have? So, yeah. the nightmare fuel. So I'm like, I, I can't really, I can't really rate this one very, very high when it comes to toys. Uh, so I, I mean, you know, I'll just for fun, I'll say one, just, just to be, just <laughs> to be, just to be ridiculous. But. uh um, but the show itself, like, again, I thought it was actually pretty cool. I thought I loved, like, the setup and the world. And, and like I said, my frustration watching that episode was it wasn't that it wasn't, like, there. It's just, like, I wanted to know, like, <laughs> how all of this worked. And I could really tell that there was something there. But it didn't seem like they did any world building in that first episode. Um, but anyways, yeah, um, I dug it. And... Um, Again, once again, glad I get a chance to watch these things that I, you know, I either skipped or somehow missed and um, add them to my uh, brain repertoire. <laughs> your, your brain grapes? Yeah, my brain <laughs> reservoir, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach, what's the uh, the Bodhi rating on this one? The Bodhi rating on this one is a four, but I give it a five. So we're going to call it a five. And then because <laughs> um, you, you're like, because I take precedence because I take because pre- he's like, are there zombies? I don't want to do. I don't like because he doesn't like zombies right now. I'm like, yeah. I get it, bro, bro. <laughs> I get it, dude. I get it. But uh, but nope, it's a five. Yeah. It's a five. It's a five. I'm right. And you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, and and then on the toy level. I would give it a five, but those those eyes, those eyes are so creepy. They want to make me nightmare fuel every night and night. Every time I see them, they want to make me pee my pants. Um, they're creepy. The yeah. nightmare fuel of the eyes. All of the 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 heroes' eyes are creepy looking. So uh, I give it a four point five. And um, diversity, given an A out of the three. Out of the three, based on. The three, I give it an A. Yeah, because it actually has a female and it's uh, multi, you know, ethnic, multi-national, uh, uh, you know, cast or crew. Yep. Which is cool because, yeah, well, even though the, you know, the voice actors are, are uh, all. Yeah, like, I'll, uh, I'll give it an A minus because of that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Come on, Michael Bell, don't take the job away from someone. To, Do that. You know. Cart that, uh, that figure that you showed us, he looks like he would be voiced by Phil Hartman. <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh, a, I'm a caveman lawyer. I'll make sure I post that picture on on Instagram. <laughs> nightmare the, fuel. Yeah, Just we, throw at the bottom. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. Nightmare Hello, fuel. everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> but actually, this... I mean, but if you look at some of the uh, some of the villain figures. They're creepy as shit too. So and, and, I, and, and I like and, the design of the villains, where they all have this. The way they kind of portray the zombie aspect of it is they have these weird red splotches on them, ugh, but it's also kind so of mutating creepy. them. And I always liked how Overlord, how it kind of goes over his nose. I thought it was kind of a cool design to it. Um, and then the the chick was, you know, kind of half hot. I'd still, you know, do her, even though the side of her face was melting off. <laughs> Duchess sure. Dyer. I'd still sure. do her. <laughs> I'd still Overlord her. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um by the way, by the way, dare I say, maybe one of Tonka's best toys they ever made. Uh, I'll push back and say my favorite Tonka toys were those Wasteland Warriors ones that were like Mad Max toys that came out. Uh, yes. You, I, I forget what they're called, but if you look up like Tonka Mad Max toys, you will find them. And I had every single one of them. That is 
horrific. That that's face. bandit. But you can cut this, but doesn't he look like a uh, like a ter- terrorist, Iraqi? Oh terrorist? my but good lord! He looks bandit. like a penis. His head looks the like cartoon. a penis. He, actually, he didn't look like that in the cartoon. He looks like a cross between like a Klingon and like yes, Klingon. Uh, that and, the, and a dick, the, a the penis. Pl- <laughs> I was gonna say like the the bad guys from. Um, uh, Jason, the Wheel Warriors, whatever that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The it brains looks or like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're uh, like oh, and you know, in the in the cartoon, um, um, Reaper looks fucking cool, but then the figure like that's yeah. that's creepy. Like, yeah, he looks oh, like shit. He looks and like then, you know he looks like he looks like uh, uh, shock on the walls f- fell uh, from uh, TNG. That's what he looks like. You remember that episode oh. of uh, uh, the Next Generation where he spoke in metaphor? Shock oh, on the walls. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's that's a famous episode. That's yep. what that guy Nightmare looks like. Fuel. He yeah. does, Nightmare and and fuel. that's and that's the big difference between the Japanese toys and the American ones. They retooled the heads, and then they had different. Uh, they had the different body. You know, the armature of the body was different. Uh, I think the Japanese ones were a bit more realistically proportioned and whatnot but then the tonka ones i'm sure that they just retooled the bodies but still were able to keep the same pieces that went on top of it because the armor and the cloth uh outfits looked like they were the exact same i don't think they made the villains on the japanese no ones. no and when in those were just i think at the same time those were just the same kind of armaments but painted black versus like that lighter gray or whatever um yeah. but this so was, cool. like I said, this was a, an episode in the making for, for however long we've been doing TV Obscura now. I mean, this is episode 19, so it's, it's been about 19 months. Uh, sans one month without without Diallo, unfortunately. But uh, the Podcast first one. <laughs> most powerful hosts. <laughs> but, dude, we've been, we've been talking about this one, this episode, these three shows for a long time. And I am so happy to say that... I fucking loved every single one of them, and I would highly recommend every single one of them. As far as toys go, that's, you know, hit or miss here and there. But Nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. <laughs> but since most of us, you know, don't have the money to get to them and get the toys now, it doesn't, that's kind of moot. It doesn't matter. The shows, all three of the shows, fucking fantastic. Loved them all. That was my final thought on all three of them. Diallo, final thoughts on all three of them or anything else you want to add? Yeah, what you said. Exactly. Zach? Yeah, what you said. <laughs> there we go. Diallo, <laughs> what you got going on out there in the podcasting world, my man? Uh, the, the first Noel. I just finished uh, writing Chapter 7 yesterday, so I'll be recording that soon and getting that episode out. And um, uh, I'm going to be spending the next few days in a tropical location, secluded. And I will be devoting a lot of my time to writing, so I'll get some uh, scripts done and um, hopefully get ears finally uh, nailed down. And um, working on another project that oh, you know, in some months I can announce. And that's it, man. Just, awesome. uh, just, just making my way. Just making my way. And of course, go check out Angela and the Dark by Diallo and uh, Russell Fox. And uh, did you get an awesome review the other day, you were saying? Yeah, I got an awesome review the other day. I actually, a friend of mine uh, bought an issue uh, over Christmas and um, for her daughter. And her daughter took it to school. And her daughter came back and said, 
all the boys loved it. <laughs> That's, cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, That's she awesome. like she said they really did. I was like, oh, that's really cool because you know, like, they she it was like all the boys loved it, and I was that was really it was like the best review I could have gotten. <laughs> that that's is awesome. That's awesome. And yeah. of course, I'll have all the links in in the show notes for everything Diallo is working on. Zach, what you got going on on uh, over at uh, Two Dollar Lafey this this week? Well, listening to Diallo talk, I was I was stuck in my head. I was like, making my way in the universe today. Diallo's giving it everything he's got. <laughs> oh, anyways, um, oh my gosh, two dollar late fee. We've got an interview upcoming with a legendary villain. This guy named Patrick Kilpatrick. He was in Remo Williams. He he was the Tiffany Tooth in Remo Williams. But the dude has been in uh, a myriad of other movies. Uh, we've got a wild interview with that guy, not what I expected, and in a good way. Uh, June is Streets of Fire month, so almost all the episodes we we're gonna have on on two dollar late fee will feature people from Streets of Fire. Michael Pere for one, uh, and then Stony Jackson. If you don't know who he is, he's the lead singer of the Sorrells, and that dude is phenomenal. Uh, so look for those to come out in June. And we have a recurring, we have a re- returning Diane Franklin coming back to the show oh, to do a live show in June. That's dope. Um, oh, that's awesome. To talk about her book, to promote her book. We've actually got a lot of guests lined up for $2 late fee. And then I do want to do a little cheap plug. Uh, by the time this airs, Corey and I will have interviewed someone very special. Uh, so look for our Instagram post for that to come out, <laughs> and um, you'll know who when when you see who it is. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you already know who it is. Yeah. If you want to find out who it is before we announce it, go sign up on our Patreon. Um, L- listen to last of- month's wrap up after dark, the newest wrap up after dark. Yeah, we're joined by Aaron Gilmer, uh, who is a patron of our show, a friend of the show on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. She's the one that picked for us to review Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, she's super cool. Uh, Really great discussion with her. And we dropped a big bomb on that show, Uh, a happy bomb, a happy bomb. A happy bomb. Is there such a thing as a happy bomb? I guess so. (laughs) Um, Anyways, go check it out. Really consider signing up for Patreon because we've got some great stuff on Patreon. Like, for example, Zach and I have been going through John Carpenter's entire filmography uh, from beginning, and the plan is to go until the end uh, with Zach. I just looked up the other day for, I, I don't know why, but The Ward is our last movie that we're going to watch. Do you know yeah, who's in that one? Who's in that? Amber Turd. Amber, oh, Amber. Um, Amber Heard uh, is in it. I, uh, Amber Grumpy? I got yeah. where you were going. Yeah, thank you, Diallo. Thank you. Amber oh. Amber Poops the Bed Heard uh, is going to be in that one, so I'm, I'm excited. She left for... a grumpy in the bed. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> so, guy. Jesus. So, Topical. Yeah, exactly. So we uh, so right now we uh, have done, we've watched Dark Star, Salt and Precinct 13, Halloween, and his first TV movie, Somebody's Watching Me. And Not the Rockwell song. That's right. And mm-hmm. then this month coming up, or the month that we're in right now, we are going to tackle his second made-for-TV movie, Elvis, which should oh, be interesting like because a- this is where he met Kurt Russell on. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, very excited to. This will be the first time I've seen Elvis, so uh, me too. I'm looking into. Not the first time I saw uh, Honeymoon in Vegas or uh, Heartbreak Hotel or uh, Bubba Hotep. Yes, but the yeah. first time, first time seeing Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> same, same, and same. But yeah, at the end of the series, um, it, the, the the Carpenter Factor series falls under the Autour de Force tier because when we're done with that in December 2023, we will move on to our next Autour. We've been talking about maybe Michael Steven Mann, Spielberg, maybe, maybe Don Coscarelli. <laughs> we don't know yet, but we'll get there because we have a lot of John Carpenter stuff to go through. And George Lucas. <laughs> just to let you know, uh, we're not breaking the movies down or anything, and we will be revisiting Prince of Darkness. We will be revisiting the thing in order, um, but... The, the idea of the show is more of a freeform discussion, and we are looking at each movie as a part of a whole, you know, and trying to see what in what actually makes up The Carpenter Factor. So go check that out on Patreon. And go check out every podcast on the BFOP network. Check out Talking Back, Action Action, Blast from Our Past, Throwback Trivia, Takedown, People Don't Forget, and the newest one, Return, Revenge, Resurrection, the horror podcast by Dean, uh, Dean of Talking Back. So he's got a new one as well, and we have a great time. And, of course, check out all the friends of the show. Check out $2 Late Fee. Check out uh, the first Noel Chronicles. Check out Give Me Back My Action Movies. Give Me Back My Horror Movies. Uh, Ready to Retro. All our fun friends out there in the world. And, of course, check out everything David is doing. David Irons, our man. And go check out Seven Winters Alone. Go check out everything. Just go to our website. Come on, David. Go to our website. We have everything over there. I need to backtrack just a little bit. Sure. I remember watching the Elvis TV movie. Back when I was a kid, I had no idea Kurt Russell. Like, was, I didn't know what a Kurt Russell was back then. It was, it's not a grumpy. And I'm like, and I just, I'm looking at the page and I'm like, oh, like, I like, I look at all these people. I had no idea he was Elvis. This is crazy. I didn't know that that was John Carpenter. The the That's thing that he did, the thing, you know, a little bit of a spoiler, but we'll just give it. You know, he didn't do the the music for some somebody's watching me, but he does do the music for Elvis. And we're I'm curious, and I know Zach is too, to see if it sounds like John Carpenter or if he's gonna like try to make it sound Elvisy music. I'm not sure. I remember distinctly watching this movie. <laughs> I remember like Elvis, like I remember him walking, and then they were like, "Why are you walking that way?" And he was like, and "I remember this whole scene from that." I had no He's idea like, that I'm was, walking with Elvis. I man. had no idea that was Kurt Russell. My mind <laughs> is blown right now. <laughs> I love it. Diallo's going down a rabbit hole, but uh, as as uh, Diallo goes down a rabbit hole, I'll just, I'll just echo, say, echo. and I'll just end it with, as always, catch you on the obscure side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer.
Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.